All wings report in. House dog, standing by. Mother goose, standing by. Lock S foils in attack position. Animal squadron ready for battle. Hello there, and welcome back to the Animal Squadron podcast. I am your host, House Dog, and with me, as always, my co-pilot, the Chewbacca to my Han, the R2 to my Luke, Mother Goose. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. I decided to be just very enthusiastic in our intro today because I feel like it needs it because we're here. It's been a week and we're talking about Jedi. It's not my we favorite film, like I said Jedi. last time, but we're talking about Jedi. We're talking about Star Wars and I'm happy to talk about Star Wars because Star Wars makes my life better. I think Star Wars makes all our lives better, honestly. And I think it should. It's a beautiful thing. It is. So... Last time, we talked about the first half of Jedi. We made it all the way through Tatooine, and we are now on the Death Star. We are on the Death Star, and my first note about the Death Star is we see the Emperor with a cane. We see the Emperor in a cane. We also, if I remember correctly, this is the first time we see him actually in person. Yeah, we mentioned that uh, last time on the last episode. Yeah, every everything else has been through holograms, which is interesting that this big bad guy, throughout you know, well, this is the third film, through two other films has never been physically seen before. Right, which I think, I think is really interesting. I think it helps add to the, the mystery. mystery. Yeah. We're just rocking. We are on the same page today. This is going to be a same good episode. Same page. It's going to be great. Uh, we also get to see his red guard. Yes. Which I always thought they were so cool. Right, but they don't. They don't do. They don't much. do anything. Right. Like that literally is my next note. Like, although they look really cool, I wish we could have seen them do something at some point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess Snoke uses his. Snoke uses his. But and maybe that's something that they realized in the the sequel trilogy is that like these guards who protect this really like important high official should actually do something because yeah. even in um episode 3 the red guards are there and they don't right. they just get destroyed by Yoda within 5 seconds to be fair it was Yoda but I I agree they just get tossed aside mhm so, do you know about the Emperor's Cane? I don't. It may not be canon anymore, but it was something I learned like a long time ago. Apparently, the cane is like an ancient Sith artifact, and that's why he uses it. Oh, okay. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. But that might not be canon anymore, but who cares? Disney! Again, if Disney hasn't... Well, I know they said everything wasn't canon with all the legend stuff but i still see it as as long as it doesn't contradict anything in the new disney canon i will still see it as canon how many times can you say canon in a sentence well, uh, let's find out <laughs> no i just like the cane and i think it's interesting that the first time that we physically see this character that's been talked about in past films is we kind of see him as like 
almost this weak old man because canes aren't really like associated with strength. Like you see someone with a cane and they, you know, they might have something wrong with them. You know, they might, I don't know what I'm, you know what I'm saying though? Is it like this big bad character that we've been waiting to see and the first time we see him, he has a cane. Like, what is that about? Right. Which I think adds to a lot of, um, people's anger when they saw him fight in revenge of the sith i mean he's literally flipping through the air but again we have to remember this is a 19 year difference exactly Um, i don't i don't do things i used to do 19 years ago me neither like now i can go to the bathroom by myself i mean you were five close yeah I mean, I Um, still need help, but... Hey, you know, sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do to make it happen. No, but one thing I want to point out about um, the Emperor and Vader's dialogue here whenever the Emperor's coming off of his shuttle is that the Emperor calls Vader his friend, which I thought was interesting. He did watch his career very closely. He did, but it's weird that, like... You know, through the other films, like, the only relationship that Vader and um, the Emperor have is through holograms, like we pointed out. But he always calls him Master, and he's always just taking orders. But whenever we see them physically together, the Emperor's calling him his friend, and they're talking, you know, almost very casually. Like like you and I do. But they're a Master and Apprentice, and I just thought that was interesting. I think it goes into, I think, a lot of the manipulation we saw in the prequel trilogy. Um, Palpatine just convincing Anakin and Vader that he cared about them. Mm. Um, You know, and I mean, we know that really Darth Vader is just a pawn for Palpatine. He doesn't really care about him. He's a means to an end. But I don't think I think Palpatine's trying to keep that facade up. Even, even though after I mean, almost twenty years? Yeah. And I mean, even though Vader obviously knows the truth now as well. We're getting very deep today. We are. Do you have anything else about um the Death Star? Uh no, I do not. Alright, well back to Dagobah. Back to Dagobah. I like how um, it's another line here. You know, I get very interested in what the characters say in all the movies. And Yoda talking about how old he looks. And I never really, like, thought about that line. But this time watching it, I really did look at Yoda. And, of course, in these movies, he's still a puppet. Right. Um, And I really, like, took that line to heart. And I've thought about how... He does look in in Jedi, and the puppet does look different between um, Empire and Jedi. He actually does look older, and um, Frank Oz makes him move differently than he does in Empire. And I I just thought it was really cool that they made the practical effect actually, like, true to what's being said. Yes, definitely. Um, So, really, I don't have many... Actually, 
I actually have a few notes on this scene. Um, I really love his sarcasm there when he's talking about his age. Um, but he mentioned he's not strong enough in the Force when he's talking about him uh, dying. Um, which makes me think of the Sith and how the dark side and their hatred can keep them alive. But are they really living? Are they really living? Very true. Because uh, now that we have um, Visions, and if you haven't checked out Mother Goose's uh, YouTube channel, he just recently posted a video about Star Wars Visions and all the episodes there. You should go check it out. Oh, thanks for the um, plug. Of course. It reminds me of the um, the last episode. Now that you say that, I think it was the last episode about the uh, the, the elder? Jedi. No, not the Elder. That wasn't the last episode. Oh, okay. Yes. No, I know which one you're talking about. Is yeah. it Akakiri? Um, Is that what it's yeah, called? I think so. Yes. Um, about that Jedi who the story very similarly mirrors Anakin's story. Right. Yeah. And so. To get back on topic here, how you're saying that the Sith and their hatred can keep them alive, and then we think of that story that we got in Star Wars Visions, that man was not living anymore. Right. He As soon as he made that decision to cross over and sacrifice everything that he loved and give up everything he loved, he just like Anakin, he stopped living. And now right. he's this completely different person, and he's not really living anymore, he's just there. He's a shell of a man. A shell of a man. Wow, that really took a turn. It did. Very, very depressing. I, but, I mean, that episode overall was just very sad. And yes. I, I think you do make a really good point. They, these people give up a lot for the power. I know, but we can't talk about Visions now because we need a whole episode for Visions because to our listeners out there, Mother Goose has been trying to get me to watch anime for what? Years. Years. At least 2016. Maybe 2015. It's been longer than that because we've known each other. Ever since we've known each other, you've tried to get me to watch anime. So, like, probably, like, what? Like, 2014, maybe? Yeah, like, probably, like, six years this man has been trying to get me to watch anime. Yeah. And it. And all I needed was a Star Wars anime, and it finally worked out. It happened. It happened. So yeah, we gotta talk about Vision sometime. Yes, definitely. Um, my next note is uh, Yoda telling Luke he can only be a Jedi after facing Vader. Do you have anything before that? I feel like I do. Um, yeah, just about Yoda hesitating to tell Luke the truth. Yeah. About Vader being his father, I thought that was interesting because it's like, obviously Yoda and Luke have spent some time in between Empire and Jedi. And so it, it surprised me that even through um, that time period, that he still doesn't feel like Luke deserves to know everything or be let in as right. closely as Luke wants to be. And I think it's interesting that Luke can't still see the big picture. Yeah. And yeah. that is his greatest flaw as a Jedi and as a character is that Luke just can never step back out of himself and right. see what's going on as a whole. No, I I completely agree. Um 
And I think Yoda says it best. Sorry, but I think this will no, really that's complete okay. my thought. Um, is that Luke gets told directly by Yoda that the answer is to pass on what you have learned. Yoda didn't say try to save the galaxy, try to save your friends. All Yoda instructed Luke to do was to pass on what he's learned. Yeah. Um, okay, so in regards to that line where Yoda tells uh, Luke he can only be a Jedi after facing Vader, um, so a, a couple things from that whole conversation. We see Luke earlier say, I know we talked about this in the last episode, but he says... He's a Jedi Knight when I think talking to Jabba. Um, and then we see him here like, am I a Jedi Knight? So again, just kind of going into that whole, he had a lot of confidence in that scene. Um, but in, I believe, our episode uh, where we, the two, our two episodes where we talked about Empire Strikes Back, we talked a lot about uh, Yoda and how he has improved as a character and... Um, you know, I talked about how I felt like Yoda was had matured, had learned from the Jedi's mistakes, but he still wasn't really where he needed to be in terms of being a good mentor, being a good Jedi. And I think this really plays into that as well, because he tells Luke he can only be a Jedi after facing Vader. And I just, I think that's really messed up. Like, I know Luke has to face Vader. Yoda knew that, but put so much pressure on him you know you can't be a real jedi unless you beat vader right but i also think and like i said before i'm trying to get you ready for the sequels i think that this moment right here greatly explains luke's character in the sequels because yeah. he's being told that he can't be a jedi unless he faces vader which I've never really understood, and maybe I just need to think about it more. But I think that this conversation right here greatly explains who Luke is in the sequel trilogy. Because he's been given these ultimatums that he has to do this or he has to do that, or else he'll never achieve what he wants to be and who he wants to be. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah. And I think, I think that gives us the Luke that we see later. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, and then we see Yoda uh, warning Luke about the Emperor. And I think really my only note I had about that was that the prequels and everything we say we see happen there makes, makes that moment a lot more powerful. Because we get to see, from Yoda's perspective in the prequels, everything the Emperor did. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. I have a question for you as well. Why do you think Yoda told Luke that there was another? I think just Sue. I think part of it was he knew he was dying and it was his last opportunity to tell him. At least as a, a living flesh being. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Because if Luke didn't know we would have had a very different ending, I think, because it's the knowledge of his sister and Vader's threat to her that makes Luke, Luke lose control. And when their fight, 
he may not have won if Vader didn't have that power over him. If he hadn't been able to, if he didn't give in. Well, the funny thing is, I don't have an answer for my own question. I just wanted to ask you. Yeah, I I really don't know. I think that's like I I do think we would have had a very different ending if he didn't know. But I I st- I don't know why Yoda told him. Um, okay, m- my question to you is: Did Luke not go back and train with Yoda or Obi Wan? Because uh, we talked about the ending of Empire Strikes Back. Obi-Wan tells Luke, if you go to Cloud City, I won't be able to help. Um, and we talked a lot when Luke's hanging off Cloud City. He calls mm-hmm. Obi-Wan first. There's no response. Um, and Luke seems really surprised to see Obi-Wan. And they hadn't had a chance yet to talk about um, Vader being his father. But it also seemed like through that whole scene that this is was also the first time that Luke and Yoda had seen each other. So years I've thought, oh, well, af- between 5 and 6, Luke was just training with Yoda, Yoda or Obi-Wan, but I'm not so sure anymore. That's a very interesting point. Like, he obviously was still training, but... It kind of seems like he was training on his own. And that very well could have happened. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's probably a comic book out there somewhere that explains all this. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. But is it canon? Probably now, yeah. (laughs) No, I, I don't know what to tell you, my friend. I'm sorry. Usually I have more words for you, but I'm at a loss here because you've made a very good point. I'll take it as a compliment. My next thing is, it just makes me so sad to see the light go out in Yoda's little hut. Yeah, me too. I'm like, man, that's sad. And I think we should make it cl- clear, we both love Yoda. Yoda's great. We yeah, just, I love Yoda. You know, I feel like we've bashed on him a lot in these episodes because of the mistakes he and the Jedi have made, but we still love Yoda. Yeah, it's not like it didn't make me sad. Like, it still makes me sad every time I see him die. Yeah, same. And the light going out in the house, like, I don't know. It makes me a bit more sad now. Me too. And I think it's interesting, and I'm glad you brought up that whole, um, did Luke train by himself or with Luke or with uh, Ben? Because whenever he gets to talk to Ben here... Luke calls him Obi-Wan. Right, right. Which I thought was odd because he doesn't call Ben Obi-Wan since the uh, the first movie, since A New Hope. He calls him Ben from the moment he meets him. Interesting. And I could be wrong, but to my knowledge, he doesn't call him Obi-Wan again until Jedi. Since, yeah. Since A New Hope. I'm not sure. I thought he I thought he did when he was hanging off Cloud City, but I'm probably wrong. I guess I'd never really put much thought into that. When he's hanging, he only calls out for Ben. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I just thought it was odd. Um, of course, point of view. From a certain point of view. Yep. 
I, that's literally my, that's my next note as well. And I just wrote Obi Wan could have been a little more sensitive about the whole thing. I don't know. I think point of view is. I mean, just that scene itself, and now like it gets. I think Obi Wan gets a lot of flack for the choice he made. Yeah, but I think no. I'm... As I've gotten older, I understand like why the point of view scene matters so much because a lot of the truths that we do cling to in life certainly do matter on our point of view. And I didn't really understand that until later in life and being an adult now. And like, that's, that's very true. Right. And we've mentioned it countless times throughout this whole podcast that we believe Luke and not Luke, sorry, Anakin and Vader are different people. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we can argue with Obi-Wan on this. No. But I do think, while I don't disagree with his point of view line, I still think he could have been a little more sensitive in this moment and just understood, like, well, maybe Luke doesn't see it this way. Mm. Because even though it was a point of view, Luke didn't know that it was from a certain point of view until that moment. Mm-hmm. No, I just really enjoyed that line that, and I'm probably butchering it a little bit, but like, that Obi Wan says that like a lot of the like truths or things that we cling to in life are off of our point of view. Right. Right. Uh, um, do you have anything else about seeing Obi Wan again? I have one last note. Yeah. Um. I just think it's really sad after everything we see through the prequels and the Clone Wars, um, seeing how Obi-Wan had given up on Anakin. Mm. I don't know if I would say given up. I would just say I don't think he ever gave – well, maybe he did. I don't. That's very tricky. I think he was just hurt. I think if yeah. you've ever, like, experienced, like, not like, – like, losing a family member, but – like them not dying but maybe like you've had to like not be like close to a family member for a certain amount of time or like they can't be in your life anymore i think that's more of how he felt yeah yeah no i see i see that it wasn't like he was dead but it was like he can't be a part of that anymore because it's detrimental to his own life right right who knows Okay, I don't have anything till we're back in Cloud City. Cloud City? Yeah. We we go to Cloud City in Return of the Jedi? I mean, we do, but that's not until the end of the movie. Right. Right. Are you okay? No. <laughs> no, my next thing is about... um. They're on the... Uh, the ship... And they're getting ready to attack Endor. And my question for you is, was Han Solo on a suicide mission? Oh, okay. Did you get lost? I actually do. Yes. Oh, man. It's all coming together. I thought we were talking about Empire again. Man, I just, my brain just fried itself. I've got a couple notes before that. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. Um... Really, I just wanted to bring up how Han forgave Lando really quickly. I mean, I get it. Lando did 
really helped them out in the end, but there's just a lot of a lot of forgiveness there. Which I mean it's nice to see, but Right, but I think you should also keep in mind that Harrison Ford didn't even like he wanted to do Jedi, but he didn't think that Han should survive. Right. Right. Um And I think no, you can I... really see that feeling in Harrison Ford's performance with Han in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been... Not that he worth. didn't do a good job, or that Han wasn't Han in this movie. Yeah, no. I definitely agree, but... And to go into what you're saying, with Lando, I mean, if he wanted Han to die, he wouldn't want this animosity between them. Yeah. Um. So no, I, I agree with that. And then just... I really appreciated Leia uh, lovingly calling Han General. You softy, you. I'm a big ol' softy, I know. Okay, now I'm on Endor. Well, getting ready to go to Endor. Getting ready, yes, sorry. Yeah, so I just... Do you think Han was on a suicide mission? Because it's stated in the film that anybody that would lead this ground assault, you know, was crazy. May maybe, I don't know. I feel like because Han didn't like... include, he didn't include Leia in his plans. Luke was off doing his own thing, so he didn't even think of asking Luke. I mean, of course, Chewie is gonna go with him, but I mean, Han didn't ask any of our main heroes to go with him on this adventure, which isn't, which isn't really. I mean, it is like Han, but not the Han that we've seen like grow right. through these films. I, w I wouldn't I don't think I'd classify it as a suicide mission more of a sacrificial mission mm. like I, I don't think he went wanting to die but I think he went ready to die if that's what it meant to win the war and save his friends yeah that's a better way of putting it and then um, after that it just makes me really sad where Han says about the falcon you know he's standing there looking at the falcon and he's like I just feel like I'm not going to see her again. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is really sad. Uh and I think that might be that might add to your point too. He was ready to die if that's what needed to happen. Makes me sad. But what makes me happy is Han telling Chewie to fly casual while they're trying to get past the blockade right? to Endor. <laughs> right? And I'd like to point out how convenient it is that Vader is on the command ship as Luke is trying to gain access to Endor. Right. Yeah. And I never really, like, considered it until I really thought about it, is, you know, because right before that, um, Vader and the Emperor are talking, or, like, earlier, and the Emperor's kind of, like, telling Vader the plan and everything, and he's like, well, hey, I want you to go back to the command ship and just wait there. And he doesn't really give him a reason. He's just like, that's what I want you to do. And then, of course, moments later, here comes Luke and our heroes on their way trying to gain access to Endor. Yeah. And who is there on the command ship? Vader. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's a really, really good point. And, you know, Palpatine was just putting all the pieces in place. Well, I, I think it, you know, really supports that that idea that you really keep 
in our minds and you have through these uh, episodes is that Palpatine's plan never stops and Vader is always a pawn in the game. Right, right. My next note is when they first land on Endor. Well, then tell me about it. Are we going to talk no, about Clone just... Wars? I'm definitely ready to talk about Clone Wars, but uh, this is not related to Clone Wars. Hey, they just It's just that they brought a much larger force to Endor than I thought. Like, when they're first leaving the ship, a lot of people walk out. And I feel like they definitely do not have that many people during that last fight. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. Is it, like, how did all those people get there? Right. I mean, they came on the ship, but I just... There definitely weren't that many, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how big a, a landing shuttle... I don't know how many people you can fit in a landing shuttle. Yeah, good point. Well, because I'm ready to talk about the Force Chase. What are you ready to talk about? Uh, my next note isn't for a little bit. Really? Yeah. I think... Uh, during that whole chase, I was just enjoying watching it. It is a fun scene. Yeah. I just wanted to say it. It was. It was a good scene. Do you have anything specific for it? Not really. Yeah. That's okay. Sometimes that's all we need. It was a good scene. Um, after the chase, we get to see our first Ewok. Wicked. Um... I love the Ewoks. I do. But I do think it would have been made more sense if it would have been Wookiees. Well, I mean, you know who Wicket is played by, right? Oh, Wicket. Honestly, I thought you said Wiccan, like the religion, and I was like, why is... <laughs> I just kind of brushed it off. Wiccan! <laughs> you just think I'm over here saying words in the middle of the podcast to have fun? <laughs> uh Sometimes. Sometimes. No, I'm talking about Wicket, played by Mr. Warwick Davis. Yes, yes. Who has a bunch of cameos in, like, all of the films. Like, he's in Solo, he's in Rogue One. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, Wicket. Yeah. But you think you you think that the Ewoks should have been uh, Wookiees, and that we should have been on Kashyyyk? I think so, I think so. Um, I think in the long run, it would have made a little more sense, especially, you know, learning about how the Empire had treated them. Don't get me wrong, I still love the Ewoks, but mm -hmm. I understand the argument where people think it's a little ridiculous that they beat the Empire, but we can get to that when we actually get to it. Okay. Um, my next note isn't until they get trapped. Yeah, go for it. Just that it's a deer carcass. Again, just, we pointed it out in the last film. Just another earth animal in the mix. Well, it's like, I don't know how they made that thing, but it, yeah, part of it's a deer, part of it's a goat. Yeah, it's it's gross. I don't know what it is. It's disgusting. Yeah. And I know that animal has a name, I just don't know the name for it. Me neither. Yeah, so they get uh, out of the trap, and I love how 3PO has become a god. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really funny, and I love how they're all just, like, surrounding him, bowing to him. 
Yes, and the noises they make. Yeah, it's so cute. The little like crazy said, noises. The yeah. There you go. That's your sound clip for for this episode. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll edit it out and put it at the end, like five or six times. So if oh, somebody great. wants to just listen to it. Great. No, yeah. and I love how that the Ewoks were gonna eat them. Right? They're savages. They are. Well, I mean, they're obviously like intelligent beings and everything, but they were going to eat them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like how when they're about to be burned to death, Han tries to blow out the torch. Like that seems like a real like Indiana Jones thing to me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Is him trying to blow out the torch. Like that felt like. Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones and not Han Solo, which I thought was fun. Yeah, no, I I agree as well. Um, and then we get to see. Uh, this is, I think, one of the moments we really get to see again. I've I've mentioned a lot throughout us talking about this trilogy is Luke's power crawl, and we get to see him uh, lift the chair that C three PO is on with just his mind. Yeah, but he has to close his eyes. That is true. But still, without using his hands, which we talked about uh, how powerful Vader was in at the end of Empire when he was just throwing those pipes and the parts of the room at Luke with just his mind. Uh, so we get to see him, again, much more powerful than he was before. Yeah, I just like to make fun of Luke. Yeah. Um, but also with that scene, I really loved how the Ewoks tried to herd Leia to safety when they thought C-3PO was about to attack them while he's floating in the chair. I don't think I noticed that, so kudos to you for bringing up something that I didn't know. Yeah, I just it's a really funny contrast how they're about to eat Luke and Han, and they're so worried about Leia's safety. And where did Leia's clothes come from? Did they eat someone else? Probably. Most likely they ate someone else. Mm. Or maybe the Ewoks are just very, like, resourceful and they made those clothes for her. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything until Luke and Padme are talking. Luke and Padme? Sorry. Luke and Leia. I think Luke and Padme talking would be very interesting. What movie were you watching? <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, in my note, I in my notes I've mentioned Padme, which I'll get to. No, I know. No, I literally just have one thing before then. Is okay. I just I really enjoy three um, PO telling the story of the past oh, yeah. two movies all the uh-huh. way up to them getting to Endor, and even though it's not like in in basic. Like you, you still know the story and the sounds that they use, and like how every every once in a while you get like he's speaking in uh, the Ewoks language, but you get like Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, and just the the sounds and everything. I just I like that part. It's it's really great. Um. Okay. So it's after that, Luke and. Leia are talking, and he asks her about 
her mother. And she mentions uh, only vaguely remembering her as a small child, how sad she was. Which is a pretty big plot hole because we know she died at birth or giving birth. Is it a plot hole though or can I explain it away? Oh, if you can, I'd love to hear it. Because Leia is force sensitive, so she's able to tap into visions just like Luke is able to and just like Anakin was able to. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'll take it. I will take it. Boom. Mind blown. Mind blown. You heard it here first, everybody. What do you have anything else about uh Luke and Leia's talk? I have I have a few a few notes, yeah. Well then please talk about them because I don't really have much to say about it. Okay. Um It seems like she took the news really well when she found out they were brother and sister. Um which I don't, I don't know if I would have took that news so well, but and I wrote this in all caps. I hate that she says she's always known that they were brother and sister because it makes their not oh one but two kisses so much worse. It it wasn't like she was like she wasn't saying like oh I've always known and I did it anyways. She just meant like she had this feeling that they had this closeness that's like inexplainable now i know i know it just it's gross and i don't like it it's fine with me um and then i just wanted to talk about how like mature han is saying you know if you want to be with luke be with luke huh i have the exact opposite note <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I think Han is being super jealous and not mature at all. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I agree. I do think he's being jealous, but at least he recognizes, like, in the if you love something, let it go kind of a sense, I guess. Yeah, but he definitely doesn't feel that way. It's definitely more like, oh, well, if you just love him so much, I'll just leave. I'll Blah. just go... Uh, okay, I, I get what you're saying. I, I see it. Um, my next note, uh, I'm not sure if it's the next thing that would happen, but we get to see, uh, a shot of the forest moon of Endor. And it made me think about all the times we actually see it. Where's the actual planet? Where are the other moons? From the views in space, all we ever see is the forest moon. Well, I think there's Endor, and then... There's the fort. Now I'm confused. Right, because right, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but they're not actually on the planet of Endor. They're on the forced moon of Endor. So it's one one of the moons, and I'm pretty sure they mentioned that there's multiple moons at some point throughout the film. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but... So, no, so where's right. the planet? Where, where's the planet? It shows it in a hologram. Okay, maybe in a hologram. I I don't specifically remember it, but I believe you. But, like, from the actual in-space shots, we never actually get to see the planet, and it really bothers me. I think we do. No, maybe we don't. Maybe it's just the hologram that we see. I don't know. I'll go back and watch it later, but... 
I'm not gonna put that much effort into it, so. Yeah, I might remember it next time I watch through. I probably won't. Yeah. But I think that's why a lot of times people get indoor and it's moon confused a lot because we never really see the planet. At least from space. So what's the... Now I'm confused because for years I believed that they were on indoor. Right, but and it's... the forest moon is indoor. So like, is it all indoor and like, they're just on the forest moon? Oh, that... Okay, that's a good point. It that might just be what they call it, potentially. I'll have to go back and watch it. Like, is the forest moon called Endor and that bigger planet that it goes around is something different? Maybe. But I was I, I always thought the planet was Endor, and that was just one of its moons. Hmm. Yeah, because it's not like we call the moon Earth. We call the moon the moon. Right, right. But the moon orbits the Earth. Yeah. But it's not like we call the moon Earth. Exactly. We call it the moon. Now think about this. If we had our moon and then we had another moon that could actually sustain life, though it's just one big forest, we'd still refer to it as the forest moon. Big brain. Big brain. Oh. Why is this what you were so focused on? <laughs> uh, okay. I'm ready to talk about Vader and, and Luke here. Yes. My, Are you there? Yeah. My only note is the same note I have like ten times throughout this whole movie. Luke is so confident. He does have a lot of confidence while talking to Vader this time. Yeah. I don't know. Their talk really makes me sad. And how, like, pretty close to the end of it, how Luke says, well, then my father is truly dead. And I think, I don't think that's Luke just saying that to Vader to make Vader feel something. I think that's really how he feels. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, after listening to Obi-Wan and Yoda talk about how Anakin's gone, maybe this, this moment he realized, oh, maybe they were right. Maybe he is gone. Anything else here? No, I'm no. good there. Okay, so I believe next should be um, the attack on the moon base. And we get to see Rex, who's now been confirmed that it's Rex. Yeah. Um, I really... Okay, so a couple things. That, that Ewok drives really well when it's on the land speeder. Does he? I thought he didn't crash and die. That's true. And then, to the point I made earlier in this episode, I feel like there weren't as many rebel soldiers around the base as there were, again, that landed. I don't know how they got there, Elijah. Okay, believe in movie magic. Listen, I, I know how they got there. They came on the spaceship, but where'd the rest of them go? This is the whole point, was to take this base. Where are they? <laughs> well, it was said in the brief earlier that... Han would lead a small strike team. Then they're wasting manpower. The rest of those soldiers went to that moon to chill off, drink coffee, and avoid the apocalypse. I don't think there's any pleasing you here, my friend. <laughs> no, I just think... I just think they 
didn't really count how many people so they were like hey let's get some extras here in this scene let's get some extras here in this scene and it just wasn't the same number i don't think there was like a set planned like in-universe reason why they're different if you want to go back and count how many extras are in each scene i can you can do that i just might you won't but i'm glad that you threaten it um but no okay back to your point we get to see rex he's there he's fighting for the rebellion yeah that's what's really important here it is because it's clone wars yes and rebels yeah and soon to be ahsoka or mandalorian we're not sure we're not sure yeah it would be great to see him in mandalorian but i'm i'm pretty sure it's been confirmed that he'll be in ahsoka i think there was a leak pretty recently that we'll get to see thrawn uh hera the ghost right was their ship yeah yeah and ezra that's what his name was i I couldn't think of it watch rebels already man i know i know the ending is so worth it i gotta i gotta finish i gotta finish clone wars first and then i'll watch rebels rebels isn't even that long though i know i know okay do you have anything else on their first initial attack of the base before we're on the death star nope i'm ready to go to the death star okay um my only note is instead of luke palpatine was so confident here he was just sure that he was going to convince luke to turn to the dark side yeah, I just love how good the Emperor is at being bad. Right? And I think That's what I enjoy. I think seeing his confidence in comparison to Luke's confidence is a really is a really nice contrast because they're both sure of their victory and obviously only one of them can be right. Right, but I don't think Luke was counting on like the Emperor's plan. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, but I also don't think that, uh, the Emperor was, um, prepared for how dedicated Luke was. That's a very good point. Uh, and then again, we get to see the moon of Endor, and I, I have the note again, there's the moon, but where's Endor? We don't have to get into it, but this is something I thought about a couple times throughout the film. Yes, I can tell that you're, you're very involved in that. Thanks, I appreciate it. I like that we get to see Wedge again, and that Wedge is still alive. Me too, me too. And then, of course, it's a trap. It's a trap, the iconic line. Um, I wrote, I wrote down, and this is going to sound bad, but it's a good trap. Like, in terms of actual planning, it was planned out well. It was, and I really enjoy how the Emperor makes Luke watch the battle. Right? That was genius. It was you, sadistic. I mean, you can't genius, argue that yeah. the man is a genius. Oh, yeah. No, he definitely knew what he was doing. And then my next thing is about R2. Poor R2. Getting shocked out of a gate. Oh, yeah. Poor guy. He's just trying to do his job. Um, no, I just have a couple basic notes on that fight. Um, so, I brought up earlier about 
the Ewoks versus Wookiees, and like I still really enjoy the Wookiees, and a lot of people are not Wookiees, the Ewoks. A lot of people bring up how they beat the Empire here, and they kind of make fun of it and make fun of the stormtroopers for being so bad. We've all seen the memes, um, but we have to remember they had numbers, they had surprise, and they had the home field advantage. Yeah. Like, that was, was a lot say, working in their favor. Yeah, I was going to say that exact same thing, is that they're on their own turf. Right. And as far as, like, battle strategy goes, that, that makes a big difference. Yeah, and they, they, had, they had the ability to actually hide, which the Stormtroopers, with their bright white armor, didn't really get that advantage in the forest. No, no, they kind of stick out just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then I wrote Avatar before it was cool. I think this is in reference to um, a human civilized human in quote civilization coming in and like trying to tear up the planet and the aliens revolting. Okay, mm. I see where you're going with that point. I mean, they were more so just like using the base. Yeah, it was a, it was more of a joke comment. It wasn't. It wasn't a serious. I wasn't like, oh, James Cameron copied George Lucas. <laughs> well, I mean, you could definitely make a point for that, like in Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we get to see Chewie turning the tide of the battle. Yes, in his Tarzan yell. It's great. I love it. Uh, do you have anything? You like the Tarzan yell? Yeah, I do. Uh, do you have anything before we're back on the Death Star? No, I'm ready to go to the Death Star. Okay. Um, we get to see our first lightsaber throw. Yes. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because Luke has the high ground. <laughs> Vader learned his lesson. He did. No, I just... That's... I think one of the like iconic lightsaber moves is the lightsaber throw. And it's just really cool getting to see it here. Or... It, Getting to see it the first time it was used in the series. Sorry, I was trying to read things. Shame, shame. No, but yeah, the saber throw is cool to see because that's the that's the first time we see it. And then I think the uh, point I want to make is like after that, whenever Luke's hiding, um, and then Vader mentions his sister. We see like Luke forget everything, and he's just using his all-out anger to try to beat Vader. Yeah, that was that was my next note as well. He, I think he gives into the dark side a little bit there. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. Like he's using his anger. That's like not Luke using any type of form of lightsaber combat. Like he's literally just trying to kill him. Right. Um, and then. So something with that scene uh, that I've seen pop up recently, um, it's a discussion on um, Luke and Rey. Uh, were they using the dark side scream? We get to see Palpatine use it when he first attacked uh, the Jedi Masters that come to arrest him in Episode 3. Uh, and then we see Luke yelling out as he begins to attack Vader, and there's another scene, I can't remember exactly where it is in the sequels, um, but I believe it's the first time Rey 
and Kylo Ren fight, she yells out again, were they using the dark side screen? I don't know. You and your canon force powers. <laughs> Are they canon still? I th- I think so. I at least at least Palpatine using it because we clearly get to see him use it in the film in episode 3 against the Jedi Masters. Now, did Luke and Rey use it? I don't know. But I do think it's a canon ability. I don't know. I do have a very big thing that I want to talk about though. Okay. So it's the um it's right after Luke cuts off Vader's hand and I for some reason like I looked at this scene completely different than I had before. Like used to I thought whenever Luke cuts off Vader's Vader's hand and he sees the wires like he like thinks about his own hand and realizes like oh we're the same. Oh. I'd never thought about that before. Well, now I think about it differently. So <laughs> now I think, um, like, I, I still think that's a, a way to look at it. But now I think a bit more like Luke sees Vader's hand and then he thinks about the cave vision. And then we can think about Yoda's words about how the dark side will dominate your path if you choose to take that path like forever will the dark side dominate your path you know he says something along those lines yeah whenever they're training in um in empire no i and i think that's what what luke saw whenever he saw vader's hand is that he already like yes of course he thinks about his own hand that he lost and how him and vader aren't so different but I think he sees in that moment like that he was using his anger and that if he continues to go down this path that it's it's going to dominate his life forever. This is the choice that he makes in this moment that he will become just like his father. Right. And this is actually something I've really been wanting to talk about because uh you've brought up how Luke can only see into the future really like he's always looking at what's next. And mm-hmm. I think in this moment that saved him from falling to the dark side because he looked at where he was and he saw really into the future as in, oh, look, if I keep going, I will be the next Darth Vader. I will Mm -hmm. fall into the same temptations that my father has. So while I agree that is a big issue with Luke's character, I, I really think it worked out for him this time. Yes, this time it paid off. Yeah. Um, then he, uh, he did what many couldn't. They gave into the dark side, even just momentarily, and they were able to stop and actually walk away from it. A lot of times through a lot of Star Wars media, we see Jedi turn to the dark side and immediately they are quote unquote Sith. Like they stick with it. Like, We were just talking about the last episode of Visions. When he turned to the dark side to save his love, that could have just been a momentary thing. He could have then be like, oh, she's alive. I'm a Jedi again. But he didn't. He went off with the Sith. But Luke here, we see him even just temporarily fall to the dark side, and he's able to pull himself out. Mm -hmm. But if, like, it was a separate situation where he was, like, fighting someone else, I don't think he could have been able to pull himself out of there. That's a good point. 
That is a good point. I really think the fact that he was facing his father and he got to see his future in that helped him out. It it really helped him pull himself out, which you're completely right. If he didn't have that, he probably would have stayed. And I just love how after Luke makes that decision, the Emperor's line of, you will die. I love that. I like the way that he says it. Yeah. Yep. Um, do you have anything before the Force Lightning? No. We get to see Force Lightning for the first time. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, just again, another iconic Star Wars ability that was introduced in this film. Look at you. I know. Always thinking. Never wrong about anything ever. That's me. No. I like Vader's no line. Because I really think it makes his no in episode three make sense. No, I, I completely agree. It it parallels. They parallel each other really well because in episode three it was frustration and anger. I just love I just lost the love of my life and my child or children. I can't remember if he knew they were gonna be twins or not, but No, uh, he had no idea they were twins. Yeah, so at least he lost his child. But in this one it was a I'm about to lose my child and I'm going to do what I need to For the to. second time. Right. I'm going to do what I need to to save him. And we get to see Anakin. He's back. Yeah. It was cool. Okay. I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Oh. Did Anakin balance the Force? Was this his destiny? Because I know there's a lot of debate on what that actually meant. But, um... Sorry, I zoned out for a second. Um, <laughs> Anakin killed all of the Jedi. Or through it... Well, there are other Jedi we know about now, but looking at it from just the first six films, he killed off all of the Jedi, or through his actions, the rest of the Jedi died off. And he killed the last of the Sith, leaving Luke, which this is something I'm going to talk about a lot more once we get into the sequel, all of the old traditions from the Jedi and the Sith that were, I believe, in balancing the Force, no longer are holding the Force back because all of those people are gone. I think the way that I'm going to answer this question is going to sound very, not really diplomatic, but like, it's going to sound like I'm not giving an answer. I think if we think about just the term balance and then we think about what George Lucas borrowed from, um, and then if you think about, like, it sounds cheesy, but like yin and yang, right? Right, like right. The symbol of yin and yang. It's black and white. The black side has a white dot in it, and the white side has a black dot in it. Balance isn't one without the other or one completely erasing the other. Yeah. One can't live without the other one. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I think we talked about this in our episode three review. Um, when George Lucas is referring to balance, is he talking about it from a Eastern view or from a Western view? Because you're completely right. From an Eastern view, it's that yin and yang, the light mm -hmm. with the, you can't have light without the darkness and vice versa. Or 
did he use a Western view on it, where it's typically more of a... Which, this is the same view the Jedi held, light without the darkness, light overcoming the darkness. Um, mm. But I, I agree with you, I think it's more of a yin and yang, it needs to be both. So, there is a lot of discussion um, about, did Luke balance the Force when he killed off the Jedi, leaving, leaving just Vader, I'm sorry, not Luke, Anakin, um, leaving just Vader and Palpatine to Sith and to Jedi, either Obi-Wan and Yoda, or I've seen other arguments that they no longer counted because they failed, the two last Jedi being Luke and Leia. So two and two, either way you look at it. Um, in a pure numerical standpoint. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, I, I agree with the premise, but moving forward, I don't think there's any way besides the Sith rule of two to monitor how many Sith and how many Jedi there are. I think at the moment, yes, technically they were the same number, but that's an unrealistic expectation or unrealistic like plan to keep it balanced mm -hmm. um so the way i've been viewing it as we we've talked a lot about how the jedi have made a lot of mistakes and i really think a lot those mistakes have led to the jedi on their side imbalancing the force because they weren't fully listening to the force like they needed to do they were making a lot of mistakes, but on the other side, the Sith, with their rule of tr two, were trying to control the Force. And instead of viewing themselves as a servant to the Force, they were viewing themselves above it, and the Force was their tool to use, if that makes sense. So I think both sides were unbalancing the Force, and with Anakin killing the Jedi and the Sith, it gave, it gave the Force a chance to reemerge rebalanced well i think the whole concept and i think that's a really cool thing about these movies is that like as it's just people in general like we always want no matter what we get we, we're gonna seek perfection and balance right it's yeah. just in us for some reason as humans and i think that's what lucas was trying to touch on in his films is that we even we as viewers of the film can't decide what the balance is. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Which I have a lot I have a lot to talk about in terms of that, but I a lot of it I feel like will be when we talk about the sequels. The ever impending sequels. The ever impending sequels. Should be uh next time. I'm not saying we're done. We still have a lot more, but we should finally be into episode seven here in two weeks. Yeah. But my question for you that's not nearly as serious as your question was, which trench run do you like better? <laughs> Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I think the original. I'm an OG fan as well. Yeah. I don't think I can I can pick this one over over the original. But this one was still really good. It was. Um, it's just it's not as good as the original to me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, my next note is when we actually get to see Anakin without his mask. Do you have anything before that? 
No, that's funny because my note is literally titled The Man Under the Mask. Nice. Mine is nowhere near as poetic. I just wrote crusty. Crusty, okay. Um, But I do have a music note here for that scene. Um, We get to hear the Imperial, Imperial March, but on a harp as Anakin's dying, and I just thought that was really cool like the really? way yeah oh, wow yeah it's um it's very soft it's a little hard to hear obviously luke and anakin are talking the death star is about to explode there's a lot going on but you can hear it's very slightly in the background and it's really beautiful hmm i guess i need to pay a bit more attention haha i had the music note this time Hey, as long as somebody's got a note about music, I'm happy. For sure. How do you feel about Luke giving, um, now at this point, Anakin a Jedi burial? I am completely fine with it. Um, Anakin is a Je- was a Jedi. Yeah, I mean, I-, I wasn't trying to say like he shouldn't have done that. I just wanted to know how you felt about it. Yeah, no, I... I'm completely cool with it. Okay. But how do you feel about the ending scene of um, seeing all the cities and, like, the freedom? Like, I call it, like, the freedom scene. And now it's extended to where we have more planets that are shown in that last scene of them abolishing the Empire. I I think it's great. I really really like seeing it. Um... I my note for that is uh we so free. Okay. Um because like you said they added more scenes in, we get to see Naboo which uh we've talked a lot about these changes and how we feel like it ties them together better. Um I just think it's funny seeing more Gungans. Yeah, it doesn't really bother me seeing the other cities and everything. I think it helps like really strengthen that idea that the galaxy is finally free yeah no i completely agree and obviously it's more of a joke but there's a large argument or a large discussion that's gone around the community of was the empire really the bad guys or were the rebels actually terrorists but this scene really regardless of what happens uh with the actual main characters and all the fights we get to see the rest of the galaxy and how it reacts to the Empire being defeated, and clearly they're happy about it. It really solidifies that, yeah, the Empire was the bad guys. And I also think it's a really nice contrast between when the Empire was first created. It, I um, We have Padme's line. Um, I can't remember exactly, but... This is how democracy dies, not with a bang, but with cheers or applaud, something along those lines. You should go look it up, because it's a great quote. It, it really is, but we get to see the universe, um, not the universe, the galaxy, applauding, cheering, thinking the Empire is going to be this great thing. We see it 20-something years later, and they're cheering because it's defeated. Again, there's just that contrast there, is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you notice this, but whenever they show Coruscant and it it being liberated, 
there's a stormtrooper in the like crowd. Like it looks like he's crowd surfing, but they're obviously like beating him. Oh, I did not see that. Interesting. Yeah. Um and I know I've brought it up and I will bring it up again, but I talked about uh main the main reason I'm not the biggest fan of the sequels is because we see the universe or not again, not the universe, but the galaxy almost in the exact same spot where it was at the beginning of episode 4 and the beginning of episode 7. And I think this comes into play again. Uh, we get to see the galaxy almost in the exact same place it was at the end of episode 6 and the ep- end of episode 9. I think you can say the same thing about real life, though. That is true. That is true. I have to go into the sequel strong so I can have all my ideas yes no and again your star wars is your star wars and no way am i trying to put down anyone who likes the sequel trilogy i'm really happy if you do um i just i'm not the largest fan of it because i feel like the story doesn't really overall progress Hmm. like it doesn't it feels like i know a lot of people have used this term but a soft reboot instead of a continuation i can see how you see that um my last note is ghost hayden christensen that's my last note as well great minds you said we are on the same wavelength exactly we're just on the same page today um and i think you said it best when you were talking about them uh changing the hologram of the uh of the empire i know a lot of people weren't really that excited about changes like this but it helps tie the saga together that and star wars is always for the next generation right yeah definitely it's it's always meant to be passed down it's Mm -hmm. not meant to stay with the times that it was made for yeah i i agree and i think that's what george lucas wanted was for his story to be passed down yes definitely that was i can't believe we finally did it we finally did it we made it through the first six films only three more to go the clone it only took us over a year mandalorian rebels visions we got a lot to come i hope you guys are as excited as we are i'm excited and I don't know. I feel like this was a milestone, man. It took us a long time to get here, but we got here. We did, and we enjoyed every minute of it. So did I. Okay, um, we do not have any user... Not user, listener questions, sorry. We don't have any questions this week, but if you um, want to send in questions, you can email those to us at animalsquadron at gmail.com. Again, that is animalsquadron at gmail.com. We would love... For you guys to be a part of the conversation. Uh, Anything you want to shout out? Anything you want to plug? No. I've already mentioned your channel too many times in this episode. I can't be nice anymore. I I get it. I get it. But also, go follow me at MotherGoose27 wherever you want to follow me. Um, Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We should be talking about episode 7 here in two weeks. 
and we will see you in the next one for the Animal Squadron. This has been Mother Goose. And Halstead. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee